Hello everybody and welcome to Brumvagoon, you will not get there on a road bike and that's specifically true, especially on days like today where outside it's pure raining and where you're gonna listen to an amazing interview I recorded some weeks ago with somebody who is pretty experienced on adventure on the bike, unsupported adventure on the bike but I have to start from something else, I have to start telling you my contacts First of all, to say thank you to everybody, and then my contacts. In Instagram, you can find me with the handle CalamaroCC. And first to start and going on somewhere else, I have to say thank you to John Alessandro. Hi, man. Uh, he's he, living in Berlin. He's also pretty, pretty passionate about bicycles. He has a gravel bike. He's an open with an amazing paint job made by VeloCiao an Italian artist painter that is there in Berlin specifically super specialized in bicycle check there and actually I want to mention him because a couple of days ago I just put a comment with my handle out there at Calamaro CC writing you will not get there on the road bike like Calamaro would say well looking at the rain I can say General Alessandro that you are pretty right seems like pretty tough but with 47 uh, millimeters tires you can do these things and also a lot more even if I cannot do it and yesterday I had a couple of time the proof of that I was going down with my friend Andrea on some nasty gravel roads it's they were a bit more cross-country roads more than gravel roads but I had fun on that and I didn't crash and I was super lucky on that let's continue on that read Calamar on Twitter Calamaro CC on Facebook and find this podcast and share it with your friends just do it while you are looking for that on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just look for Broomvagon over there and you can find it also in all the podcast applications that are outside in the world. What else? Hello at calamaro.cc. That's my email. And also there I received so many feedback this time. And as usual, super, super thank you. While this season is coming to an end, I'm not going to have so many episodes anymore on this season. I'm going to let you know probably a bit more in the next couple of days. Uh, sorry, couple of episodes. But still, this season was such a great one and such a blast. Especially thanks to you listening to this podcast and sending me your feedback. Thank Thanks a lot, people. Really, really, really appreciate it. So, it's time to kick in with this episode, the episode of today. I believe that if you are a little keen and a little knowledge about bicycle adventure and bicycle exploration, you will know for sure this brand. The name is Apidura. They are really on the ground and they have been on the ground since long time supporting bicycle adventure, bicycle events, ultra endurance events with a lot of stuff. That's why I was so lucky to have for this interview today Tori, the founder of Apidura. We talked a lot about a couple of stuff and a lot of stuff, not only a couple of stuff, and we got a lot of fun doing that. So right now I'm gonna leave you on this episode and I will talk to you at the end of this episode because I need to tell you one thing about an amazing friend and supporter of this podcast. Stay tuned, we are gonna come for now. Enjoy my interview with Tori. So today is an amazing day. Wait, 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 wait a second. I have to put a small disclaimer. At a certain point of this interview, I'm super sorry for that. You're gonna listen to a lot of background noises. 
I need to give you a bit of context out there. I've made this interview in a day where I was not alone at home. There was my girlfriend, Marcia, out of that. At a certain point during the interview, she decided to cook something because she was super hungry. So that's why you're going to listen to some noises for uh, cutlery and uh, brushes dish brushing dishes and things like this. It's not super annoying, but is there so don't blame me especially don't blame her because hunger is kind of a miracle you cannot stop it it's there and you need to fix it you have to do something while this is happening so yeah carry on listen to you later so today is an amazing day even if it's really bad day talking about weather here in zurich but that's another story but I would say that going out with a bicycle with a bit of bad, we bad weather and rain and snow or whatever is always good because it's an adventure. And what's best to talk about cycling adventure and gravel adventure or whatever adventure than talking with Tori from Apidura. Hi Tori, hi, how are you doing? Hi Stefano, um, I'm doing well. Uh, it's really exciting to be invited uh, to chat with you today. Yeah, 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 and super, super honored to have you here, um, especially because you have a lot of things to talk about from your background, from your business, from your view and vision on the bicycle adventure. So I'm pretty, pretty excited. But first of all, I really usually like to cover myself in ridiculous on uh, with spelling the name of my guests and making really in a bad way so i will start saying sorry for that but i think that probably i can make something out of that so your name and surname is tori fehe Fe, like they okay so without the h then yeah just uh, ignore the spelling uh it's just fe. fe okay tori fe it's pretty easy but i was able to mess up with it yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Now, I hope that anybody out there will know how to spell your name, how to pronounce your name, and that's a good point, I would say. <laughs> cool, Tori. So, um, I think that it's always better because I've read a lot about yourself. I read a couple of interviews of yourself and whatever, so I know a bit the background of your story, but probably it's better for you to introduce yourself. So, because I already mess up with your surname. I don't want to mess up also with your background. It would be really embarrassing. Uh, sure. Um, I guess by way of background, I'm from Canada, uh, born and raised in Calgary, which is a, a former Olympic town uh, near the mountains in Western Canada. Uh, I lived there for about 31 years, um, <laughs> fairly, uh, simple upbringing. Uh, I'm the daughter, second daughter of two public school teachers, uh, studied economics, worked in finance for, um, all my twenties. Uh, and then at some point, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, decided to, to go see what else the world had to offer. Um, so over the last decade, I've lived in Singapore, France, New York, uh, and now London. Okay. Um, I've traveled a fair bit and had the the good fortune to to do a lot of the travel with a bike. Uh, yeah, you mentioned actually in your introduction that you have something like um, a really long traveling phase, and especially the first the phase of your life where you were working in finance. And everything related to that to the one that actually to move to another job in the middle of that as i've read there was a sabbatical that actually was uh, the main time from i think that in the middle there were also your studies 
or something like yeah, an MBA or any kind of master that was there. Um, in the middle of that, there was your sabbatical that was actually your main time with yourself traveling with the bike. My question here is, um, does actually your idea of traveling with the bike came there all of a sudden and saying, okay, why don't you move with a bicycle and see what's going on? Or actually you were, let's put it in that way, you were in love with bicycle, passionate with bicycle also before. Um, that's a good question. Uh, bikes had been part of my life for probably 10 years before that. Oh. Um, I, I first came into it as a means of transportation and then as a means to correct my health. Uh, or improve my health, mm -hmm. uh, and then as a means of travel. Uh, I uh, was part of a really great uh, cycling club, club in Calgary, and through some of the the other members of the club, I'd say got exposed to different ideas about cycling and what you could do with a bike. Uh, and eventually this... Sorry about the noise. No uh, <laughs> eventually this led to uh, more ideas about how I could combine... Uh, travel and cycling. Um, I, I, before before my sabbatical, I'd done a number of uh, traditional touring trips, uh, like with the Rack Companions. Uh, I'd ridden in northern Canada from the Arctic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Um, I'd ridden in Patagonia, western Canada, and a bit in Europe. Um, but during my uh, I guess sabbatical, uh, I, I spent a lot more time on extended trips, uh, some of which were self-supported and others were um, with, with friends and, and with support. So I rode uh, from Alexandria, Egypt to Cape Point, South Africa. Wow. This was a four-month trip, uh, 12,000 kilometers, a uh, very different kind of trip. It was with a group of people. Um, it had its own challenges being part of a group. Um, it's a bit of a social experiment uh, to have to put up with people through um, uh, different types of weather, different political regimes, different illnesses, and so forth. Uh, following that, I decided to try the Tour Divide, um, uh -huh. which was at the totally other end of the spectrum uh, in terms of needing to carry my own gear, being fully off-road, uh, and being very, very alone. Uh, and and this that was really the starting point where... Um, I guess I was exposed to reckless uh, touring uh, and then started to think about the possibilities of it. Uh, definitely from the tour divide, I realized I preferred to ride with friends okay. and to experience um, places with people. Uh, and, and also I realized uh, how many things you could do uh, if you weren't burdened by a rack and panniers, if you could, if you could ride single track, if you could ride with any bike that you chose, um, if you could ride a bit lighter and faster, the possibilities were enormous. So it really fueled a lot of excitement around uh, what I could do, where I could go, who I could ride with. Uh, and it seemed everywhere I went after that, uh, people asked about where they could get a reckless setup. <laughs> uh, and it just seemed like an area that uh, needed, it, it, it was something that needed to happen. And um, I had, I, I was at a moment in my life where I had space to, um, to explore it and see, see what was possible. Okay. 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 Let's jump directly into that because it's a pretty, pretty, pretty interesting point. Um, 
How did it happen, actually, that you find, found a way to um, yeah, load your bicycle in a reckless um, way, in a reckless mode? Uh, it was actually your idea and then you developed it? Or you have seen somebody doing it around? Because I remember, I don't know, when I first, when I first done my, when I've done my first bikepacking travel, uh, on the uh, bikepacking travel, yes, um, I remember that everything was with panniers and racks nothing else front one only back ones or whatever then at a certain point all of a sudden and i believe that apidura had something to do with that i started seeing saddle post bags and uh okay probably they were also before but not as cool as now but handlebar bags frame bags that you don't need to use the racks in order to use that it was actually your idea or you have seen them around and you only developed how did it work better because i don't want to frame them um, it, it's kind of a funny thing because the basically tsunami of interest in bikepacking makes it feel like this is um, a revolutionary new thing mm -hmm. um, that uh, is super new. But actually, bikepacking has been around basically since bikes have been around. If you yeah. look back 120 years ago, uh, the U.S. Army was experimenting with bicycle infantries yeah. uh, as an alternative to horses. So if you can even find pictures of this and the setups that they have are not so different from what we're using today the difference is i think well first of all in the i guess it was the 70s uh racks and panniers got into fashion and that became the model of how people thought about mm. touring um and it's a it's a workable system um i'm sure it was an improvement on what was there a decade or two prior uh but i think the touring industry um, got a bit sleepy and uh, there wasn't a lot of progress for a few decades. Um, what, what, when I came into it, there was a lot of do-it-yourself um, work being done, which meant you were limited by what you could do in your house. Okay. Uh, what we brought to it was a different attitude toward um, producing these products. The thing is, we spent so much time um, picking all of the details on our bike uh, spending money to get uh, aerospace carbon frames and picking all of the the little details in our bike and demanding a certain level of quality and uh, precision uh, in all of the other elements of our bike, I felt that you should expect the same thing from your packs, um, mm -hmm. the same standard. Uh, this is something that you rely on for your leisure time, but it's also something that in some cases you're relying on for survival. It's, it's your well-being and your safety uh, you're depending on this for. Um, so we wanted to integrate some of the new, more modern ways of fabricating products, uh, new materials, um, and new and more thoughtful design uh, to try and bring rackless packing uh, to the future, to 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 the 21st century. Um, that's really what we brought. We we didn't invent it. Uh, we just. Uh, brought it forward to the future and made it more accessible. Ultimately, it's as you know, because you're, you're in the sport, um, it just makes a lot more sense. It makes the sport a lot more con uh, inclusive uh, if oh, yeah. you don't need a specific bike, um, if you can access it, uh, uh, more terrain and go off-road with it, uh, and if it's lighter and uh, more enjoyable from a ride-handling perspective. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see completely the point. And you know what I think, actually? Uh, I really like your point when you say that it was a matter of fashion on the bicycle. <clears throat> Sorry, a fashion of the bicycle, because actually probably it was something like the trend of that period to put racks and panniers. While at the moment it's probably a bit, I would not say cooler, but for sure, cooler, for sure. And also a bit more handy to put there um, some frame bags or saddle bags or things like this. But the point that I really would like to stress over there is that the really good revolution, positive revolution, that came with the reckless system, it was that you can really put bags on whatever bike. If you are like to go out with a fat bike, then you can put this kind of system on your fat bike. If you like to go out with your road bike, same thing. You don't need uh, screws or stuff or any kind of structure on your bicycle. You just need to take a bag and put it there and everything is going to be fine. So you can really explore with any kind of bike that you are yeah, used to, to ride. And I think this one is a real revolution. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a funny one, too, because I think uh, even w uh, the emergence of adventure and gravel bikes takes this even further because uh, the uh, you, you don't need to think about the three or four different bikes that you would put this on. Uh, now you have a more versatile uh, bikes that you can really take across different terrains um, and, and modify based on what kind of adventure you're, you're seeking. Yeah, 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 it's true, it's true. So you are moving one step really behind. So it's not only that you can put the bags in any of your bicycle, but actually you just need one bicycle to do all your adventures, almost. Yeah. Yeah, I like this point, I really like this point. Then I think that I have to arrive to this question probably, Tori. How many bicycles do you have? Um, actually, I, I just have one now. Um, you see? I, I, technically, I have two, I have one back in Canada. But... Ah. Uh, this has also been a process that has come as bikepacking has become a bigger part of my life. I think bikepacking is uh, on the surface just an activity and a, a means to bring uh, passions together and to, to enjoy bikes in different ways. But it's also an exercise that gives you lessons in the rest of your life. Um, I'm perhaps a bit too philosophical about it, but uh, for me it's had a really profound impact on how I think about and live my life uh, and an emphasis around simplicity and uh, focusing on choices, uh, what I choose to take with me when I bike and what I uh, leave at home. Um, so the process, there's also a practical reality that I live in London at the moment. Uh, so uh, I live in a shoebox and there's not space for uh, N plus one attitude. Mm. I, I really think it's about choosing um, the thing, the tools that are right for the things that you're doing, uh, and not cluttering your life uh, or your experiences with extra stuff uh, that just weighs you down. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I really like this point, but I need to ask you a question also there. So you are telling me that you do both your commuting and your, um, yeah, bicycle traveling and whatever with the same bike. Yep, it's actually a, it's a surly long haul trucker. Uh -huh. that I built for my trip across Africa. Um, it's made predominantly from used parts. I tried to, if you think about all of your bike friends and everyone's uh, bike garage or toolbox, uh, everyone's got a spare handlebar or a headset or 
uh, bottom bracket that uh, maybe you won at a race or you took off, uh, you, swapped, you swapped out on a bike. Uh, and my idea with this bike was to give these things, uh, these underused things, uh, a new life. Um, yeah. The wheels were built by a friend of mine. Uh, and other than that, it's basically um, made from things that people didn't want, but it serves my purpose very well. Uh, uh-huh. I can put uh, fat tires on it. Um, it's all relative, I guess. Uh, uh, relatively wide tires on it, uh, and it's taken me lots of places. Uh, it took me across Africa. I've ridden across Europe with it through Pakistan and China. Yeah. Um, it's pretty versatile, and it works really well for commuting too. And how do you do? Actually, do you have a seller, or whatever, at your when you're going around? I, I don't know. I think that it can work. Because anyways, if you're going to some friends with your bicycle, then you can always ask them, oh, okay, can I put the bicycle in your cellar? Or I can bring it upstairs. Uh, same thing with the with your office. If you're going to the office, you can say, okay, I can put it inside or I can put it in the cellar. Are you not scared to leave it outside? I uh, My bike is always inside. Oh, <laughs> uh, you see? <laughs> then I can, t- I can see the point then. Yeah. But this was actually another thing that you said, okay, I really like the social part, the inclusive part of cycling. I really prefer to ride my bicycle with uh, together with other people and stuff. So this means that most of your friends can understand your uh, bicycle passion so, or they are cyclists as well. So they can understand when you tell them, okay, uh, can I bring the bicycle inside? They can say, of course, bring it in. Bring it in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, pretty, pretty important, uh, I would say. But I really like the point of having only one bike. Really, minimalism is, is the thing. You don't really need to have 700,000 bikes. You just need one. I would say two is probably a good number. And telling to myself, because I have four at the moment, but I won't bring one home in Italy. So it's going to be three. One I use for commuting, one for gravel, and one for road. But I believe that one for the purpose, one for each purpose, so two bicycle max three is a great number yeah, I, I think if we lived closer to the mountains i definitely have a mountain yeah bike. you see um, but for for my day-to-day needs i haven't felt the need uh for for another bike for a few years yeah, yeah 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 for now for now it's fine it's really fine um actually you were talking about your bicycle adventures before you said so many cool things um africa asia um the tour divide and from the northern ocean uh, no how was it uh, from the northern sea from to the arctic ocean exactly the arctic ocean to the pacific and stuff like this if you had to choose one what would you choose? Your um, favorite one? Maybe the next one. one. As you know, every ride is a bit different. Sometimes, yes. uh, and, and the, the distance of time allows you to let go of all of the suffering uh, that any particular adventure uh, has. Um, but I think the one that sticks out probably most strongly in my mind is uh, uh, my honeymoon trip um, from a couple of years ago. Uh, we spent four months in the Caucasus and Iran. It was an open-ended oh. trip, so we just had a one-way ticket, uh, landed in Baku, okay. uh, rode through Azerbaijan, Georgia, Armenia, and Iran, um, and there was no set schedule. So it profoundly changed the the way the trip unfolded. It was really every day we would wake up and decide what direction the wind would take us. Um, and that left us really open to spend time in places that we liked, uh, to mo- move on from places that uh, maybe didn't meet our taste, uh, to spend time with people, and to discover things that 
it meant we didn't do a lot of research in advance. We just uh, allowed ourselves to stumble upon stuff. And for me, it was really nice because I've spent most of my life um, planning and uh, creating certainty around the future. Yes. Uh, which is an easy trap to fall into. And there are some benefits of that because obviously you need to, it, it gives you a feeling of security, but you also miss out on these wonderful surprises and an ability to be spontaneous. And I mean, I think back on this trip, um, the, if I, if I could think of like the five coolest things that happened, they all happened because we were on a bike. Uh, so is it like interactions with people yeah. that couldn't have happened in the car or on a tour or um, under any other circumstance than we were on a bike uh, and uh, yeah like roads that you go down that you wouldn't you wouldn't find another way uh, so uh, I, th- I think that's my favorite adventure because it uh, it was neat on a bicycle level but also in terms of how it allowed me to let go of my need for certainty. <laughs> So when you say actually the bicycle for you is really a social thing and an inclusive thing, you're not only thinking about um, people that you meet or you go with with your bicycle trip. And this is really a great point, actually, because for sure, bicycle is a tool that allows you to have more, way more interaction with people. Yes, it, it can be with the people that you go with. So, for example, yeah. my honeymoon was awesome because uh, my husband was there and I obviously have decided I enjoy spending time with him. Um, but also the people you don't know, uh, especially when you're traveling in places where there's a uh, social or economic difference. Um, the uh, bicycle brings you sort of to a same level because bicycles are used in so many parts of the world. So it's it gives you something, even if you don't have language in common uh, or or something else. It's a, an immediately visible um, connection that allows you to both be open and you're a little bit vulnerable on a bike. Uh, and I think that makes you less intimidating. So mm. um, Iran itself is a, like culturally is insanely hospitable. I've never been somewhere where people were so hospitable. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, I think in general, um, it also creates an openness that you might not get in any other way. Okay, yeah, 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 it makes complete sense, really. When you're out with a bicycle, everybody seems like he's there, really, really ready to support you if you have a need or just invite you at their place, at their home, at their garden or whatever to have a coffee. And, yeah, uh, it, it's an equalizer that yeah. allows you to connect. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so I really, I really understand this point that really opens up a lot of things so even if i'm with a bicycle and i'm traveling in a in a country where i meet other people that are not on the bicycle still it's really inclusive thing because everybody will understand your needs and everybody's there to support you and that's really good exactly exactly and this is actually amplified as well on the adventure side because if you're going off-road it's even more because you have absolutely yep yep yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, um, I actually want to ask you maybe this question and because Apidura itself is not only a great system that really unlock your way of traveling with a bicycle. Uh, Apidura is as well kind of, I don't know how you call it, uh, I want to call it, if I want to call it um, a community or uh, a group in general, but really keen to support 
the adventure on the bicycle. You are doing it not only with your backs, as I was saying, but also with your support to the all endurance world and endurance races, as well as with your journal and with the content you are creating over there. So before to arrive to all these points, I want to ask you a question. How much of you and of your view is into the Apidura brand? Um, well, that question is a little bit harder to answer, but I think it relates to your first remark about just doing things within the community beyond uh, producing bags. Um, is that where you, is that what you're getting at? Yes, yes, exactly. So I, I guess this goes back to um, the origin of the company, which wasn't necessarily to um, create a company. Okay. Um, we 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 started creating things because we needed them as riders, um, and and this eventually led us down a path that uh, happened to become a company. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we, we don't view ourselves strictly as uh, pack manufacturers. Uh, we view ourselves as members of the community, um, members of a community that has impacted each of us individually in very profound ways. So we see uh, that what we do, we have a responsibility um, as members of the community to think very holistically about what we do um, and to give back to the community that has um, brought us to the point that we're at. Um, that sounds very vague, but it's actually um, a very important core value in terms of how we think about ourselves and what we do. Um, what we do, we, we happen to make bags, um, but we also see ourselves as, uh, see a role for ourselves in inspiring and educating and encouraging people to get out, to help bring people into the sport, to, it, it, I'm sure you would relate to this, that uh, you you are where you're at right now because there was somebody you had, maybe you had a role model or somebody who showed you how to fix a flat or encouraged you to pedal one hour longer or to go out on your own and there's all of these people that um, gave us little bits of knowledge along the way um, but not it, not everyone has instant access to this sort of community uh, mm -hmm. but we live in a world now where uh, like digitally we can connect a lot of this knowledge uh, and inspiration and make it more accessible to more people um, and in turn uh, make the sport more accessible uh, allow more people to connect with uh, what we're doing so um, we we try to support the community in a variety of ways one is through our journal um, so we try to create uh, interesting content yeah. uh, that that will give people the inspiration or or the um, knowledge that they needs to get going. Um, we also try to uh, work really at a grassroots level, uh, sometimes with athletes doing interesting things, um, sometimes with events. Uh, we're very particular about which events we, we support um, because I think we also have an obligation to nurture the health of the sport. Uh, and this means working with um, responsible organizers who are focused on safety, um, who are focused on respecting the places that we pass through mm -hmm. um, and celebrating the challenge over celebrating the victory, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, it's great to win. Uh, we yeah. obviously um, high five uh, <laughs> uh, podium winners, um, but I think uh, that's not what the sport is about. Um, it's really about pushing oneself and, uh, and seeing our own limits. Sometimes limits are 
uh, how how fast can you can you write a particular course? And sometimes uh, limits are about um, where where can you go with a bike? Uh, yeah. There's all uh, all different ways that you can view uh, pushing limits. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, it's it's really great actually. This is come uh, this is goes again into the inclusiveness of cycling. Cycling uh, the price of cycling itself is not only to arrive first, but also to discover something new. To discover yeah. something new outside, discover something new with yourself when you're out, discover something new of your the people that are riding with you. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. It's really cool. Maybe uh, I can go a bit more. I would love to go a bit more deeper into the Apidura Journal. Did sure. it did it come out directly uh, from your vision when you started the company? So it was something that came together with your vision or your, the bags and the production and everything. Or so it was something that you had in mind from the beginning, as you told me actually. Or it was something that just came later. And how did you put in place to put it in place? Um, it, it it's definitely been a priority for us from the start. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes a lot of time uh, to and, and thought to create content. So I think um, we've really only started to show. Uh, what, what our vision for it over the last couple of years. Um, we actually hired someone to focus specifically on creating content, either uh, writing from the experiences um, of the team or of our broader family of ambassadors and friends, um, or bringing in outside uh, experts. Sometimes we bring in guest writers. Um, photography and film are also elements of our uh, content um, that we're increasingly pursuing because it's a again a, a nice way to um broaden uh, i guess our offering of how we can show people what's possible uh additionally we're a, we've got a global community um making content that is accessible outside of english is really important um the yeah i, I guess it comes back to the same the same fundamental reason of why we are involved uh, with the community at a grassroots level. Um, The vision for the journal is helping people get more out of the products that uh, we produce, but also just bringing people into the sport, making people who have uh, sit at their desks and fantasize about, um, okay, Emily Chappell is uh, riding across Asia, or uh, Mark Beaumont is riding riding around the world. I wish I could do that, uh, and trying to bridge that gap between um, I wish I could do that uh, or that's really neat. One day I might do that and hey, maybe next weekend I'm going to go sleep in a ditch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or it, it, making making it something that feels on the path of possibility for for uh, even the everyday commuter to just take, take what they do a little bit farther and explore what they're capable of. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I can see this actually. It's really the way the way of putting into the people, into the brain of the people, something like this little bug that okay, then there is something else that I can do with my bicycle instead of only commuting, instead of only of only pushing my watts, instead of only whatever. I can go out, I can explore, and I can use the bicycle for different purposes that are gonna enrich also my uh, yeah my bag of experience. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. It's it's really a great point. And another thing that I want to actually just here uh, to mention, just because I have you here, and I have to say as well to give my, yourself my i five on that. You have one of the best and most comprehensive list of bicycle bike packing events that I ever seen, and that's also another thing that. I always use actually if I need to monitor. There are there are so many of those outside, but actually if I have to go for the first impact and say okay, but what's for example what is for example the uh, Highlands 500 trail, and I go there, I check it, and uh, yeah, it's really really nice list of like a nice and comprehensive list of bicycle event, and it's really helpful for everybody that for example wants to say okay, I want to start with my first. Um, bike packing uh, race or ride or event because I think I'm ready for that. From where should I start? I think that all, a lot of people are using the list of events that are on your website to make this first screening or also second screening of stuff. Oh wow! I really appreciate that. Uh, it was a, it was a lot of work to um, get this into a visual format like that, and uh, uh, so it means a lot uh, that you found it useful. No, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I want to tell you some, yeah, I want to tell you thank you for that, especially because I discovered so many races, rides, or events in Italy, thanks to that, that actually was, yeah, was great. Okay. <laughs> thanks for that. Um, I want to ask you another question that is a bit more related to um, the word that, so, and the group of people, and anyways, the, um, yeah, the bicycle um, view and vision that we have. Uh, at the moment. So I've seen that a lot of people out there uh, are really embracing the ex bicycle exploration, let's say, uh, angle that you share. And is, for example, you know, comes into my mind some pros, for example, Connor Dunn and Larry Werbase, that they were doing their no-go tour. So bikepacking at the end of their uh, season. Same thing that also, also Thomas Degan and Tim Valens did, as well as Daniel Oss, that he does usually once a year, is just right. So it looks like that... Um, it's really the movement of bikepacking and bike exploration is moving from the ground up. Like before, actually, I don't want to put it too rough, but before it looks like pro cycling was actually pushing down the vision of Watts and Gran Fondo and being first and things like this. Now it looks like everything is gonna go is going on reverse. That the really the ground of the exploration of the inclusivity of stopping whenever you want discovering some new places eat whatever you want is going up till the pro cycling that at a certain point it says okay but i don't want to consider bicycle only as interval tracing training vo2 max ftp levels but and pain but also want to consider this as okay is actually a way a tool that i can use to um, to discover the world. How do you think that this kind of uh, process, I would call it probably revolution, but actually process that is coming from the bottom up and now is going to be translated as well from the pro cyclist back down to the bicycle users is going to evolve in the future. Would you see actually that 
uh, also pro cycling and sponsors or whatever is going to take over this space, this gap that is really opening. Or you would say that on the other way around, more people are going to discover the bicycle, no matter, thanks to also uh, sponsors and companies that are uh, sharing this message. Um, that's a, a seemingly complex question. But it then is. I the the answer for us is fairly straightforward that right. uh, more uh, pro cyclists have a very broad audience and it's an audience that may not um, may not be thinking about bike packing uh, or may still think about bike touring in the conventional sense with a burdensome rack and panniers um, and may not consider uh, it to be an experience that uh, could have value to them. And I think the exposure that bikepacking is getting and will get from more and more um, pros coming into the the scene uh, can only be positive. It's going to bring um, people into the sport and broaden people's ideas about what they can do with the bike. So I I think it even has the potential to get people who are not on bikes yet into bikepacking. So to that end, I, I think it's incredibly positive. I know there are purists out there who have some concern about how this might impact the culture of bikepacking. Um, certainly the sport, uh, the ultra distance racing, at least um, what I think one of the appeals of it is that it's, it's a bit more casual and based on values and principles uh, than highly commercialized and professionalized pro cycling. Um, and so obviously we wouldn't want to lose that, but I think it's up to the community to work together to try and preserve the, um, wholesome culture, uh, of the community, um, rather than to reject, um, people coming into the sport Uh, at the end of the day, um, bikepacking is actually a fairly broad term that, um, I think we're talking about it in this sense. Um, more from an ultra distance um, racing perspective, but uh, Epidura uh, looks at it a bit more broadly in terms of anyone carrying by bike. I, I, I don't want to be um, restrictive to say that it, it has to be off road and it has to be under the circumstances. I think one of the nice things about it is that it's a bit more relaxed and it is really strictly about um, celebrating the possibilities on a bike, um, whatever that means to an individual. Um, so going back to your question, I, I, I'm not bothered by it. Um, I think it's going to be positive for a sport. Uh, and I think uh, we do need to be mindful about some of the things that might come along with that. Um, but mindfulness is a good thing (laughs) too. Like we should always be mindful about, uh, um, what's important to us and what, um, new influences might do to to impact um our world uh and just watch how things are and be responsible community members yes yes what do you think actually what do you uh, refer to when you say the consequences that we have to be mindful on that because probably i can only see okay apart from uh, uh maybe a small uh, i would say a really few members that few members through few cyclists that can actually i don't know uh polluting with, uh, with their littering or whatever on the sharing of the bicycle as a way to discover the world and travel and whatever 
uh, I cannot see anything like bad consequences, but probably it's my view. What would you think actually that we have to be mindful on the consequences of the, sh the um, let's say, the broadening up of the bikepacking or bike traveling? Um, I suppose it remains to be seen, but I, I, the things that come to mind are um, issues that pro cycling has faced. Uh um, huh. Okay, got it. Additionally, <laughs> I think. Um, Within the bikepacking community, and certainly um, as a company, we try to promote really um, understanding the places that you pass through, and and um, and not, I, I guess, immersing yourself in where you are uh, and being present, um, as opposed to uh, ticking off boxes and saying. Yeah, I rode past the Eiffel Tower, mm. but not actually having stopped to understand the place that you've been through. Okay, okay. So really leave the place. Actually, because the bicycle is a really a tool that um, helps you on doing that. Uh, so leaving the place where you are traveling through, instead of only ticking something like putting the pins on exactly. all the... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking about... Um, putting pins on uh, adventure and anything else. What do you see in your future? What are you planning for the future in terms of yourself, travels, bicycle travels or bicycle adventure? Do you have something planned? Do you have something in mind of your next adventures? Well, at the moment, <laughs> um, I'm living vicariously uh, for the most part uh, through team members. Uh, we've actually got... Um, uh, the, t the team's pretty active this summer. We've got another three team members doing TCR later this summer. Uh -huh. um, uh, on, on my side, I've got a one-year-old and a two-year, a two-and-a-half-year-old. So okay. uh, our our adventures are more family-focused and a, a, of a different nature. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, but I, I'm definitely interested in the proliferation of uh, events and opportunities that have opened up over the last five years. I think uh, really almost at any time of the year, there's something interesting that you could do. And uh, the nice thing is, I think each organizer is um, trying to create something distinct and some sort of unique uh, flavor to the to what they create, whether it's um, uh, like less uh, organized format. Um, that people can ride at any time. I think Marcus Stitz has uh, done some really nice routes up in Scotland um, where it's not necessarily a grand depart, but just uh, trails that people can approach at any time of year. Um, and then so obviously like TCR is an um, iconic event that uh, is on the other end of the spectrum of organization. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the emergence of uh, events like the Japanese Odyssey, which I know you feed your podcast, yeah. Uh, are really cool. I, for me, that embodies a lot of the uh, deep values and spirit of bikepacking, riding hard, but also focusing on discovery and exploration along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can completely see the point. Um, yeah, I have to ask you this question. So you said that you actually you are a mother of two little kids. When is the right age for them to start um, traveling with the bicycle, bicycle traveling with you and then by themselves, in your opinion? <laughs> I would say two, I'm but let's see. That. Um, our two and a half year old's on a push bike, uh, and she loves that. Uh, okay. I think 
we'll probably try um, to do something with the trailer at some point uh, in the near future. There's actually a girl up in, uh, or a woman up in uh, Scotland uh, named Katrina Brown, who's a uh, former um, professional uh, who is is working on this right now. Uh, really, what the transition is uh, from being an elite athlete to um, to maintaining that identity and adapting to to being a a family and what it is to be active uh, with little ones around. Yeah. So I'll be following her lead. Uh, <laughs> we can follow her and see how she's going to react on that and how she's going to act on that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, thinking about, you already pinpointed this one in a couple of places, but what's about on the other side, uh, the evolution and the future of Apidura, if you can tell me something? Um. Well, we have, uh, it's something we talk about regularly because I think it's always important to think about where you're going. Um, as a business, uh, we're quite focused. Uh, it's sim- we take a similar philosophy to what we do uh, as we do on the bike, uh, to be very mindful about the choices that we make. Um, it's as much, as much about what you choose to do as what you choose not to do. Uh, we, are, we have a very rich um pipeline of ideas, uh, some in the physical world uh, and some in the digital world, um, that uh, it's really about where can we have impact, uh, what do we know, um, what do we as community members want to see, um, and and how can we either make things better or bring something new that's of value uh, to our community. Uh, so there's, there's some exciting Exciting things on the product development side that you'll see later, pro- later in the year, probably toward Christmas. Um, we actually have a few products that will launch later this month and in June as well, uh, but those are more uh, near extensions uh, from what we are, are currently making. And then on the digital side, uh, things will wrap up in 2020, but I won't be too specific about that because okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, I... It, I'd be taking away the glory from my team. <laughs> okay, uh, let's do it in that way. Um, whenever you're ready, you yourself or your team or whatever, and you really, everything that you're doing is kind of revolutionary anyways, but you think that it's gonna, you can present something that can have really an impact? Well, the doors of, your, of my podcast, I'm not gonna talk about microphone because for me, it's really a chat with friends on a co- in front of a coffee, but the doors of the Broom Wagon are open. So if you want to present something and you want to use my podcast, feel free. Fantastic. I really appreciate that. And we will certainly take you up on that. We'll have um, uh, something to talk about uh, later this year for sure. Ah, so, yeah, feel free. Feel free. You have my email, so I'm pretty happy for that. Thank you very much, Stefano. Uh, cool. Um, actually, I was at the moment reading the articles on the journal about the Paris Brest Paris, but that's another story. Sorry, I was a bit losing myself into my thoughts at the moment. But nothing. I think that we have said any. Do you want to add something, Tori? Um, it's a good, uh, a good question. I, uh, there wasn't anything uh, specific that came to mind, but uh, unless you have a question on the Paris Brest Paris. No, uh, I don't know, actually. Always, okay, uh, let's start from that. <laughs> I know, I know. It's something like as usual. My questions comes around while I'm uh, yeah, ruffling around here. Uh, no, nothing really specific on the Paris Brest Paris, but we're going to be there. You, your team, mean you as Apidura, or...? 
Um, we won't be there as Epidura, but we are trying to, I guess, uh, make this iconic event a bit more accessible and understandable. Uh, so uh, I, I think what you might be looking at on our journal, uh, we've done a couple pieces of content around this, uh, one relating just to un understanding how the process works, um, because yeah. it's a bit difficult to navigate, uh, and it's a very long process, actually, to qualify. Uh, it feels a bit complex, but, uh, so we've tried to make uh, that a bit more navigable. In addition, uh, we are supporting a, a couple of riders uh, who will be, who, and, and supporting, but uh, more than that, telling the story uh, of a couple of women uh, who are riding this year. Um, there's a group called the Brovets um, in London, uh, organized by Peter McSherry, who's a veteran um, bike. She's done uh, a number of huge, huge rides, a uh, very strong rider, um, also a PVP vet. Um, and uh, so we're following her as well as a newbie um, as they approach PVP and all of the qualifiers and all of the process and training that goes into it. Um, to hopefully give more people um, some insights to how, how the event works, what it um, what it means to be ready for it, uh, and what it means to participate in it, uh, because it's I think it's a fascinating uh, and really uh, rich uh, in history event. Yeah, you know what? I was actually pretty interested on that from at the beginning of the year. And yeah, the process is is the process of the praise press praise. I will not define it with an adjective. It's like it is. And it's pretty interesting that you have to do several steps. So first that you're 200 brevet, then 300, then 600, then you can do it. And everything related to that. And as well, I was trying actually to have somebody of them on my microphone in order to tell the story about that, how it happened, how they are organizing. But I think it's kind of a brand mark, uh, a trademark of this amazing and really historical adventure, really, really with a lot of history out of that, uh, that actually they're not so easy to catch up in order to talk about that. So I really appreciate also the the work that you are doing in uh, in your content production in order to to make it a bit more accessible, as you said. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying that. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect then, then uh, okay, thanks a lot, Tori. I will continue uh, read everything and uh, continue to be tuned with uh, um, the journal, the Apidura journal there. And uh, yeah, good luck for everything else in the future for the CSER, for the TCR and uh, Paris Brest Paris and your new launches at the end of the year. And thanks a lot to be on my microphone today. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat with you. Yeah. I hope you enjoy your ride this afternoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I'm going to go out for a ride and everything is going to be fine. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao. Thanks a lot, Tori. It was an amazing chat and I had a lot of fun and uh, yeah, great, great. It was really, really great. And I don't know, it's super cool when you understand that behind a company and behind any kind of thing about business and stuff, there are real people that have the exactly the same belief that you have. 
could be actually that they could have different angles on stuff or maybe exactly the same thing but the cool thing is that it's still cycling and it's the cycling that we all love so if you want to know more about it and if you want to know more about the things that we were talking about something like the apidura journal and the apidura race calendar or event calendar that is pretty cool head to the Apidura website and you will find everything there. I can really tell you that it's one of the biggest font of inspiration that are for me for building content to go out for cycling experiences and adventure and all these things. Check it out, it's pretty cool. Still talking about adventures, I still need to give you the last drop of information that I was promising you at the beginning of this episode. Context, as usual, context is the key. So, uh, you all know Max from Podia. Uh, I got actually him also on my microphone a couple of times, for example, for talking about his adventure and stuff, and to talk about himself riding the Silk Road mountain race. Well, he, as you know, he runs the business Podia, and uh, that is blog content, and uh, as well as company that makes apparels for cycling as well, they are doing a lot of travels. Amazing travels, amazing adventure. And actually they are just kicking off the gravel venture that is gonna start at the end of this month, I think the 29th of May, uh, that is gonna be four days and four nights into um, the side, something like the countryside of Poland, close to Ropki. You're go I'm gonna let you find it on the Google uh, Maps and with four days and four nights of riding in gravel amazing scenery roads to discover one of the most beautiful parts of Europe and wild part, part of Europe. So um, the gravel adventure, the gravel venture, so yeah, the gravel venture is gonna happen at the end of the month and uh, Max still have a couple of free spots open for you. So if you're looking for something spontaneous to do on the bike with an amazing crew, with an amazing, um, for sure, organization and thing, uh, amazing, um, yeah, I would say amazing crew, amazing organization and thing, amazing sceneries and great adventure, head to, let me check, podia.cc and then over there you're gonna find for sure the link anyways is gonna be here in the description below and if you can get there and enjoy this event it's gonna be super great and if I know Max and I really know him super good for sure it's gonna be something that you will never forgive and uh, forget sorry a lot of friends of mine has done it already has done some travels with Max and you will listen to the feedback of these people also on the Podia website. It's gonna be great. So if you have the opportunity, if you have some free, still some free spots for the next weekend, well, go there and do it. I can really believe that is worth it. I can tell you, you have my guarantee there. Time to wrap, time to wrap this episode. Just last couple of things. Thanks a lot for the support of 3T for also this episode and also this season, mostly it was this season. As you know, they actually supported me this year while uh, landing me the amazing 3T Explorer that is coming with me for all my gravel adventure and my gravel discovering here in Zurich and I'm loving it, really loving it. Thanks for that. And if you want to find some more of my content, not only myself talking, 
Instagram is CalamaroCC as well as Facebook and then read Calamaro on Twitter. It's also the period of the Giro d'Italia. So you will see as well some comment about that probably on my social media. Hello at calamaro.cc, that's my email. Be sure to send me emails and feedback over there. And if you want to listen still to myself talking, head to Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts or whatever app you are using to listen to podcasts. Remember to subscribe and especially remember to share episodes around in your social media, on personal email messages, whatever fits you the best. I will talk to you on Tuesday and for now, ride out and ride safe because it's time for riding the bicycle even if it's always raining. Bye.